Hello and welcome to the Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we have a very, very special edition of the show for you as we head behind the scenes of the construction of the superb UBS Arena in New York. Hailed as a new arena for a new era, this unique and incredibly innovative facility set to open this autumn will provide a new permanent base for the New York Islanders, still currently the only NHL franchise without a full-time home. With the buildings topping out, coming back in October 2020, and just this past month, the start of the installation of the seating, it is undoubtedly beginning to look truly fit for purpose. But ahead of the November the 20th opening date which is very much ringed in red in diaries and on calendars throughout Metro New York, we thought we'd head behind the scenes. Today we'll meet UBS's Head of Brand Activation and Sponsorship for the Americas to hear why this arena is such a great fit for the bank's values and its commitment to sustainability. And also the President of Global Partnerships for Oakview Group, the developers making what was just a dream in Belmont Park a world-leading reality in time for the 21-22 NHL season. Annalise Mezzalotti, Head of Brand Activation and Sponsorships at UBS for the Americas, and Dan Griffiths, President of Global Partnerships for OVG. A very warm welcome to the programme and thanks to you both for tearing yourselves away from, I'm sure, what are sky-high intros to talk to us today. I have so many questions for you both, actually, about this project as we count down towards the opening later this year. But before we talk about what the project sort of represents for you, can we get a little more detail about, well, I guess what the project is? Dan Griffiths, let me start with you. Tell us a bit more about what UBS Arena is all about. Give us the story. Yeah, it's the next crown jewel uh, temple to sports entertainment and arguably the most important uh, entertainment city in the world. So this project was born from a relationship that we had with the Islanders ownership, Scott Malkin and John Ledecky, started about four and a half, five years ago in earnest because the Islanders were the only NHL franchise in the National Hockey League that didn't have a permanent full-time home. So they were looking to solve that problem. It's one of the most loyal fan bases in all of hockey and and one of the most storied franchises in all of hockey. And for them not to have a full-time home was disappointing. So that that was something that needed to be solved with the new ownership team that had bought the team. And so we set out to help them build the next great hockey facility. But in the meantime, we recognize the importance of New York from a music standpoint. This is near and dear to the two founders of Oakview Group, Tim Laiwiki and Irving Azoff, in terms of their prowess in the music industry and, and all the things that they've accomplished there. Recognized that, that New York could absolutely use another music facility that was world class. And so we set out to go build a facility that that not only was made for music and built for hockey is our, our tagline. And so we found a, one of the last pieces of property that was wide open in the New York metropolitan area at Belmont Raceway and worked a deal to build the arena on the Long Island side, the Nassau County side of the city. And then the parking lots are actually on the New York City side on Queens. So, yeah, so we've been off and running ever since and building opens in November of 21 here, just right around the corner. And and UBS was wonderful enough to come along as our lead partner on this and, and put their name on it. And Annalise can give some more details as to 
why they did that, but it's been a phenomenal relationship so far. And this building is going to be, you know, Madison Square Garden aside, I mean, it's it, they have the best piece of property in the history of sports entertainment. But in terms of fan experience, in terms of music experience, in terms of, you know, maximizing technology and sustainability and everything else that's going into this building, no, there's no other arena that's going to be like it in, in the country and in the world. We're going to talk so much more about some of those aspects. There's so many questions I, I want to ask you straight away. But Annalise, let me bring you in exactly as Dan said there. It's interesting to reflect on some remarks that your colleague Tom Narratil, co-president of UBS Global Wealth Management Americas, talked about the New York City area, this amazing opportunity to kind of restate UBS's commitment to that critical demographic, that part of the world, which is so important. Perhaps an easy question, given how exciting as Dan has described it. But yeah, why, why this project for UBS and why now? I think it comes at a really interesting time. I mean, in terms of when we announced the naming right agreement, it was right in the deepest, darkest part of the COVID pandemic for New York. So not only do we as an organization have deep roots in the US and the majority of our employees in the US are based in the New York metropolitan area, it also gave us an opportunity to show our commitment to New York, which was so devastated over that time through a a project that will offer significant economic development, a significant number of jobs, and then long-term employment opportunities for the local community that sit within the Elmont area. In terms of the, the project, it's a really interesting site. So you have the historic legacy of Belmont Park but we also get kind of a site that is completely state-of-the-art. I think when Tim talks about the site he says we weren't restricted by subway tunnels going underneath the construction site so we've got this absolutely state-of-the-art venue that has been built for this incredible fan experience you know amazing acoustics but also critically It's a super sustainable building. It will be the most sustainable arena in the region. And also at the time that it's been developed, lots of new COVID protocols have been put in place. So the engineers are actually leading in that space. And I think Dan can probably talk more to that. But it's just given us a great opportunity to support New York when it needed it the most. One of the things that I find really striking from actually both of your remarks so far is the importance of a truly collaborative approach. And I guess that involves all sorts of stakeholders, doesn't it? It's not just the franchise or the sponsors, investors, developers, but critically, and and Annalise spoke to this, it's about the fans and delivering an experience for them. What are the tricks of the trade in terms of how OVG approaches projects, Dan, in ensuring that the fans stay right at the heart of the plan? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, every decision you make is from the perspective of a fan. I mean, we're all fans first, right? We started our, our lives cheering for a team of some kind. We didn't start out of the womb building arenas. We were all fans first, whether it's fans of sports or fans of music. I think every time we walk into a facility, we recognize some of those friction points that are unnecessary to building a better fan experience. And so every decision that we made, and we, we made sure to do this on UBS Arena and Climate Pledge Arena and Seattle, every every arena that we're building, that's a very critical question that's literally asked in every meeting that I, I've sat in over the last three years in the construction process of any of our buildings. 
is uh, is that. And, and I'll give you an example. I mean, it, you know, one of the things that we talked about very early on is, you know, again, if you look at the fan journey and it's how do they get to the arena, whether that's through mass transit, is that through their own cars, is that through rideshare, wh- whatever those things are. So how do we make that process great? How do they get into the arena faster? How do they find their seats? How do they find merchandise faster? How do they uh, navigate concessions? Just what what is the flow around the building while they're there? And then obviously it's what is the experience while they're there in clubs? Because we, we've tried to put a premium on some of the club spaces within our buildings because we know people like to not sit in a seat all the time. They want to have uh, much more social gatherings and, and be a part of something bigger. So we, we've put a premium on club spaces and then how do they get out of the building? And then how do we make sure that they're in a good frame of mind to want to come back again? And and all of those different touch points we focused on ad nauseum. I mean, we have literally poured over every single second of time that a fan could spend in line and try to remove as many friction points as possible. And I think that we've been incredibly successful with it. One of the things that we're doing in our arenas is we're implementing Amazon Go technology where it's just walkout technology where they scan their phone or their hand over a reader and you walk in, you grab what you want and you go. So the days of walking into a belly up concession stand, waiting in line, that kind of thing is over. And, you know, that's something that fans should demand from an experience from where they're going to see their favorite music act or sporting team. And so, you know, little things like that is what we're focused on. Annalise, let me ask you, though, I guess if you focus in on that sort of micro individual fan experience, that's one way to track a course through this huge project, which is funny the way Dan describes it, it's almost like a, a living, breathing organism. Tell us about UBS's interest in more of the kind of macro picture for the site. You alluded to this already, a commitment towards carbon neutrality as soon as 2024, amazing innovations from plumbing to lighting to all the paper products being compostable. I mean, presumably that's those are some of the things that make this particularly exciting, given UBS's passion about sustainable practices. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So we just recently announced our purpose statement as a company. So that is reimagining the power of investing and connecting people for a better world. So for us, this project is the epitome of that, that we have this investing in the local community through a state-of-the-art development and also the way that we get to connect people. So, I mean, I think there's a number of things we can think about. I mean, when you think about an arena, as Dan alluded to, it's literally conformed the epicentre of a community. I mean, it's a huge monument that is placed in a local community and it's a place where the community and the surrounding areas gather at scale. So I think it's really important for us that we think when you do have this role as this, you know, enormous venue in the centre of a community, how do you interact with that? How do we act as a considerate neighbour? How do we support that community and how we're bringing them in and along with us and also act as an exemplar and lead the way in areas such as sustainability As Dan mentioned earlier, this is when he looks at the fan experience and how the fans, all up to 18,500 of them per event, get to the venue in a way that's kind of frictionless for them. What does that also mean for the community when you have 
over 18,000 people landing in your community for an event and to make sure that that has a positive impact. So I, I think the other things that struck us in terms of the way that OVG and the UBS Arena management team have worked is, for example, they've worked with GPS satellite apps and navigation apps to work out routes that remove all of the smaller local streets out of navigation so that the local community doesn't get disrupted. Also really been heavily involved in mass transit and uh, the support for electric vehicles. So UBS Arena will host the first Long Island Railroad station that's been built for 45 years. So as we know, infrastructure, infrastructure projects within the US are a super hot topic at the moment. And it's a pretty significant achievement to get that transport infrastructure put in place for the venue. There'll also be a thousand electric charging stations on parking lots and then designated areas for rideshare. And they've looked at shuttle services from local stations. So I think really having this approach where we're encouraging people to take mass transit We're encouraging electric vehicles where we can and just really trying to minimise the disruption that the local community might feel by funnelling traffic out of the, the smaller streets. And then the other really important thing, once you've got to the venue, what's the experience going to be like when we're there, but also what's the impact of 18,500 people when they arrive in a venue? The hospitality partner, Delaware North, has made lots of commitments around sustainability and being a partner that really is looking at how they source and run the operations on site. So we've got a commitment that 75% of the ingredients that will go into the food that's produced on site will be sourced seasonally and also within a 300 mile radius of the arena. So from farms and suppliers in the surrounding counties. So I think that's really positive. And also they've looked at the welfare and the quality of products that are going to be available on site. So a commitment to source USDA organic where possible, that 100% of eggs will be from cage-free hens, that seafood will have a sustainable food rating and that animal protein will be antibiotic hormone free and grass fed. So I think these are commitments when we think of the arena, it's a highly commercial mass market venue. And I feel that these are refreshing commitments when we think about sustainability and health and well-being and something that we're not haven't traditionally seen in that arena space. So I really feel that the venues leading the way there. It's such an astonishingly, what's the word, sort of a holistic approach to sustainability, as you said, from the smallest item of foodstuff and packaging to the big picture with amazing commitments on mass transit and engagement with the local community. And to that point, Dan, if I can bring you back in here, how much of that is something which do you think is redefining the broader business of arena development. If we look at OVG's work, you know, all around the world and indeed all the projects on which you're engaged, is it becoming the case now, thankfully, that all projects need to, at the very least, look to, if not push the envelope as much as this amazing innovative project, to be more joined up in how they think about sustainability, in how they look to look after the local community? Is that something you're seeing across the board now? 
I don't know if other developers are feeling the the same pressure to follow that path, but it's one of the core pillars of OVG and has been since day one. Tim Lewicki, our, our founder, he's incredibly passionate about climate change and spreading the word. And so it's not mutually exclusive to be able to, to build an arena and be sustainable. You should be able to do both at the same time interchangeably. There are some additional costs that come up and, you know, for Seattle, for example, changing over the entire building from gas to electric was a, a pretty significant undertaking. Building solar farms, the, the fact that we're sourcing all of our electricity in, in the New York UBS arena from wind power isn't an easy thing to accomplish. And, and Annalise talked about it a little bit in terms of Delaware North. We're also using like bamboo plates and flatware for guests. And the only place that will have actual China is in like the high-end clubs, which is only a handful within the building. I mean, we've been thinking about like like meat, right? One of the largest contributors to climate change is methane gas coming from farming of animals. And so we're thinking of alternatives in terms of potential partnerships that we have with Impossible and their plant-based meats to put into our buildings, not exclusively, but meaning like giving fans more options to eat those types of things. And to the point of requiring all of the teams that play in the building and the artists that play in the building, music artists, to offset their carbon output from transportation and everything and buying offsetting credits before they even play in the building. So we think that this isn't a, a fad or or this isn't, you know, something that that's temporary. This is how this is the should be a basic expectation from fans when they come see a building is that they have a great experience and that we've thought about removing those friction points and that the building is not a, a negative on the community and on the environment. We are building that model right now. There is no there's no case study for us to play off of or a playbook. We are creating it as we go. So we are trying to establish relationships with the smartest people in the industry and, and opening our doors to every major environmentalist who wants to take a, a pot shot at us in terms of what we're doing and whether or not it's good enough. I mean, you know, we're even collecting rainwater off the roof of the building, which is going into massive cisterns, which will ultimately build the ice that the players are skating on in the arena for the hockey team. So to that level of detail is what it requires. And, and we've so far passed every test from every environmentalist that have, have come in and taken a look at, at our operation. And and we're very proud of that. But but this is the first step. So we are OVG 0.1. You know, we haven't got to 1.0 yet. And so we will continue to iterate and build and hopefully costs come down. And, and every other developer of any major sports entertainment venue in the world is going to follow our playbook. Yeah, exactly. How great to be creating the playbook as well as the building at the same time. Let me come back to you, Annalise, on this point about community, because it's really struck me from what you've both said about how important that is to make something that the community can enjoy, can celebrate, be proud of, and that you eliminate those friction points you've described. Tell us a bit more about how the community play here works. I know there's commitments from things like contracting spend to go to partnering with minority and female-owned businesses locally. There's clearly a massive shot in the arm for the local economy. And there's the 43 Oak Foundation and more. There are so many layers, it seems, to the there's such depth to that commitment to the, the, the local community. You must be very proud of that. Yeah, proud of it. And also something that we want to continue to build upon over the term of our relationship. We're going to be in this building for 20 years as an absolute minimum. And we have a lot of responsibility that comes with that. So in addition to the sustainability piece, which was hugely important for us, 
another key part was UBS Arena's commitment to helping Elmont and the surrounding communities. We're really looking organisationally at how we will work with the community in order to provide as much of a positive impact that we can. So I think around the time that the building was constructed, there was a commitment that Oakview Group would work with organisations and elected officials to fill at least 30% of jobs with local residents. And there were also the commitments around minority-owned businesses, female-owned, which is great. But I think the place where we can really step in as UBS and where we can kind of have the greatest input is where we look at reskilling within high schools or with young adults. So we have programs that we've been running for years, such as the Keys to Your Future campaign, which is a digital curriculum that's currently run with high school students for career and college readiness. So how can we work to put that in place within the Elmont community? And also part of the project includes a community centre. So again, how that can be a piece where we're offering jobs, but we're actually also offering upward mobility for the local residents. We're offering greater opportunity. And I think that that's a really key part for us. And also we can offer financial education along the way, which is something that we're passionate about. Dan Griffiths, let me come back to you. There must be always on these amazing adventures, real key moments, I guess, along the way, right? You've got, I don't know, whether it's the, the sort of topping out ceremony, I think that was back in October, or always a big one. I've been watching on the, the spy cams to watch the process, you know, the seats going in. I think this very month, that's always a really exciting, exciting moment. But let's push the clock forwards a little. I think, is it Saturday, November 20? The Islanders playing. What would be going through your mind? I guess you'll be worried that everything's finished in time, right? But just tell us, I mean, what will it be? Pride, elation, excitement, anticipation? Can you give us a little snapshot of what your expectations are for later this year? Yeah, I'll probably be vacuuming suites right up to the time people are coming into the building. So we will be all hands on deck to make sure that this building is ready for that day. But yeah, I mean, it's excitement. I mean, look, they're throughout this process, I'm not as familiar with this process as Tim Lewicki is. I mean, he's built 26 arenas in his lifetime and, and this sort of being my first tranche of, of opening. So, you know, it's a labor of love. I mean, we, we've put our heart and soul into this building and we're excited to see what this can mean, as, as Annalise has been talking about in terms of its overall impact on the community. The Islander fan base, which has been starved for a, a home for, you know, the last 30 years and a permanent home to have them walk into this building building and have a place that that they can call their own is critically important. I feel like there's there's going to be a lot of emotions running through hopefully everything, you know, from a technology perspective is it goes off without a hitch, but you know, we we've got a lot of smart people and a lot of very passionate people in this project who are here to see this thing succeed. So, I'm not as worried about, you know, the operational side of it. I'm just more worried about making sure that hopefully we get a, a home win in that, that first game because that would certainly certainly be a, a nice way to ring that the bell of opening new, the new arena. But yeah, just a lot of excitement and a lot of relief, I think, and and, a, and maybe a, a collective exhale at the end of the evening, maybe over a cocktail with Annalise uh, and a few others from UBS as we kind of toast the kickoff, which is going to be a, an amazing 20-year run for this arena. Well, that will be a very well-deserved drink indeed. I hope too. It will be a glass raised to the first of many Islanders wins. I guess we'll just have to see about that. Dan Griffiths from OVG, Annalise Mezzalotti from UBS. Huge thanks to you both for being with us. 
And that brings us to the end of this very special edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance every week here on Monocle 24. You can find out more and take a look at up-to-the-minute progress on-site, inside and out by heading to ubsarena.com. And of course, you can get the latest on those islanders at nhl.com forward slash islanders. Read more about UBS's passion for a sustainable future at ubs.com and learn about this project and others on the OVG slate. Head to oakviewgroup.com. As ever, you can listen again and find out more at monocle.com or catch up via your preferred podcast platform. The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24.